Hey, Chris Manning here from the Locked on Cavs podcast coming to you on Wednesday, January 26th. Today's show is a fun one. It is a crossover with Kane Pittman from the Locked on Bucks podcast, getting you all set up for tonight's Cavs Bucks showdown in Cleveland at the 7 p.m. tip. Could have some standing implications, but uh, we had a little fun crossover. Always want to talk to another great host in the Locked on Network, and Kane is, is one of the very, very best. I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. Check out PricePicks.com and use the promo code NBA, or go to your app store and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Let's get into the show. You are locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to a Locked On crossover episode. I am one of your hosts, Kane Pittman, from Locked On Bucks. You can hear and see me on that show daily and also find my work over at ESPN. And alongside me from Locked On Cavs, Chris Manning. You can also read his stuff at Chris. Uh, honestly, where? Uh, Forbes, Cleveland Mag, Fear the Sword. Is there any way you're not writing? Uh, too many places, you know, okay. but shots to Dime as well. That's probably like my favorite place right now. Shots to the good folks over at Dime on Uprox. Well, there's plenty to talk about the Cavs, and we're going to get into that in a bit. But today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. Check out PricePicks.com and use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And as always, we thank you for making either Locked On Bucks or Locked On Cavs your first listen of every day. And here's a suggestion for you tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to this, after Bucks and Cavs, if you make Locked On Cavs your first listen, then make Locked On Bucks your second listen, or vice versa. Uh, we'll be both wrapping up this game. Uh, second time the Bucks and the Cavs have played each other this season. Chris, can we start with some trivia? Because I was looking through this. So, Oh, boy. Hit me with well, it. When, <laughs> when was the last time the Cavs beat a Bucks team with Giannis on the floor? And, I mean, obviously you're not going to know the date. You can be rough with this. Uh, can not, I, okay. Not a hard well, quiz master. I, it's got to be like the last LeBron year, maybe. So, like, we're, are we going back to like 2018? Are we going back that far? Like, because like those Cavs teams post LeBron were atrocious, and like if the Bucks just steamroll them every time, like I, you know, I've blacked out those seasons, even though like I covered them, like I couldn't tell you like very little that happened. But like, I, it's got to be like 2018, 2017, somewhere in there. Yeah, so it's definitely hasn't been in the Bud era or the post LeBron era. So the Bucks are 10 and two against the Cavs. Uh, but the two losses have come with Giannis off the floor. That's in the body era. So we're going back to March 19, 2018. The Cavs beat the Bucks 124, 117. Giannis had 37, 11, and 5. LeBron had a handy game. He had 40, 12, and 10. And LeBron and Giannis always used to have massive lines against each other. I, th- I feel like they both mm-hmm. enjoyed the matchup. We know Giannis likes to uh, test himself against those best players. Obviously, LeBron does as well. But we're going back a while. So. Giannis is probable for this matchup today. So the Cavs are due, Chris. That's what I'm getting at. Well, you know, the tricky part about this is, you know, you mentioned at the top that the Bucks are coming in off some rest. And, yeah. you know, I think the Cavs are a little thinner right now. They're a little tricky right now. I think we saw in the first game, I think they had a lot of problems like defending Drew Holiday. I, I think he like has just a clear size advantage over Darius Garland if we're looking at this and, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks just having like that rest advantage, even though they're on the road and all that stuff. Like I, it feels like a game where 
I would think the Bucks would probably be favored to get another win here just because, and I, they are favored in front of the better line, but like they're just a going to be a little bigger than Cleveland. It's like weird to say because Cleveland plays this like jumbo lineup with Mobley and Allen and they'll start Dean Wade with marketing up, but like they're going to just kind of beat them up at certain spots. And we don't even know if Jared Allen will play because he's questionable due to a, a non COVID illness. And like if Ed Davis has to play center, all respect to Ed Davis, an NBA, you know, veteran legend here who's like just sticking in the league forever. <laughs> but like that is not Jared Allen who's playing at an all-star level. Like that's just going to be a problem for Cleveland. Um, and again, like I, I think, you know, we look back at that first game this year I can't, I didn't, you know, I, I had, I, didn't, I can't say like I went back and watched it before we recorded, but I looked at the box score, look at my notes. I didn't have any inclination that that game was like particularly competitive or particularly like, I felt like the Cavs were, you know, hanging with the Bucks in clear way. And you know, they're, they're tight in the standings and all that stuff. But I would guess to me, I think the Bucks probably another favorite here just because of some of the structural advantages I think they have over Cleveland as they, we kind of eye these two teams up. Yeah, I think I definitely didn't go back and watch that game. I think the Cavs won by 20 plus or whatever it was. But I, I know that was a game where Boogie Cousins started. Uh, the two-way player, Sandro Mamu Kalashvili, started for the Bucs. So there was some weird lineup um, stuff there, which, by the way, any random box score you look across the NBA now, you've got random players starting. That's certainly the case. So what's the deal with Jared Allen? Is How long has he been out? What is this illness? Is there any information? Do you think he's going to play? Uh, it's questionable. Don't know if he's going to play. Uh, it, it's kind of hard to know. Like we don't exactly know what the illness is. It's that because of the world we live in, you we get the non-COVID yeah. designation because it's like, hey, this guy is sick, but it is not COVID. So like, it's 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 fine, right? Like it's the very clear. Like we're not. This isn't a, another issue. The Cavs have, I think, just like the Bucks have had their own issues with guys getting COVID already, and and hopefully, you know, it's the last time they'll deal with that for a while here. Finger fingers crossed for everyone. But yeah, I don't. I don't know if he'll play. I think if he's feeling good enough, he'll probably give it a go. We just don't know yet. We're recording this on Tuesday. This game on Wednesday, we'll probably would know more at shoot around um, before this game Wednesday morning. But I mean, if he doesn't play, like, I mean, Ed Davis has filled in amicably when they've needed him this year, but he's, he's just not Jared Allen. And it's not, it's not something serious. That's going to keep him out like a long period of time. But like, it's, it's just kind of one of those ill time things where you would certainly like to have him like just from a basketball viewer standpoint, like I would like to watch Jared Allen in this game, like defending Giannis at the five mm. and stuff. Like I would like to watch that stuff because that is where we're going to learn the most about these two teams. So it, if he doesn't play, that's, that's kind of a bummer. And so fingers crossed that he's by the time, you know, you're watching this game and if are thinking back to us talking about this listeners or viewers, if you're on YouTube, you're like, Hey, Jared Allen, they, they called this out. They talked about this, and that's that it's going to be an important little thing. They've both had moments against each other as well. Uh, the one thing that Jared Allen and, you know, obviously Giannis, they don't really take a step back, whether it's blocking a shot, whether it's whether it's trying to throw down the dunk. So they always have at least one highlight. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, hopefully Jared Allen plays. To get to Drew Holiday, though, this is interesting because uh, he's had his own issues all season long. He had ankle and foot stuff early in the season where he missed an extended period of time. Like most players in the league, he was in health and safety protocols. Then recently, he's had an ankle sprain again that has kept him out for a period of time. So it's been hard for him to really get a rhythm this season. But when I think about how other teams try and defend Drew Holiday, the thing that's most interesting about him this year has been the his frequency getting to the mid-range. So if you just look at, and this is uh, per cleaning the glass, if you look at his shot frequency so far this season, at the rim, he's taken fewer attempts, 36% down to 31. Three-point is basically the same. It's around 31 32% last year to this season. But in the mid-range, he's gone from 32% shot frequency to 39%. 
and he's shooting a career high at 50% in the mid-range. And it's not the typical mid-range shot that you think of where a guy dribbles around the screen, maybe a defense mm-hmm. is playing drop coverage, he pulls up and he knocks it down. No, he's going to use his size. If he gets any guy on there that he thinks he has a, a strength advantage or a physicality advantage, he's going to back him down and shoot a little turnaround, and it's almost money. So when you had, and we had some notes prior to this show, and you had guarding Drew Holiday, who is the is the appropriate matchup now from this team? Because he is so unique. He is such a, mm-hmm. a unique player, obviously defensively, but offensively as well with his strength and size. Yeah, I mean, I think strength-wise, it has to be Isaac Okoro. He is Cleveland's kind of point-of-attack defender. But I, I would suspect what will happen is like the – you tell me if this is a wrong read, but I suspect what will happen – this happened late, you know, in the in the other well, previous matchup where like we saw just some matchup kind of shenanigans kind of as the game goes on and, and as they're kind of being more strategic about that stuff. They will use screens. They will use – um, off-ball action, they will do what they can to get Darius Garland back on it because I think that's the match we want to exploit. But I think if the Cavs yeah. are lining this up, you know, I, I would suspect it's Mobley. The, the tricky part is that, like, there's not, like, a clean way to do it because if Okoro defends Holiday, then, like, who's, you know, you'd think he might defend Middleton, but, like, if that's, if you're, like, it becomes a tricky thing. I almost, my, my thought was almost, like, maybe you don't do it in this game, but if, let's say these two teams play in the playoffs or something like that. Or, like, and, and they, they played the last game of the regular season – which in theory could be like an important game for Eastern Conference team yeah. if, if things stay the yeah. way they are. Like it's it's weird to think about, but like that's that's and that's feels like nine months away, but it's it's where we're headed. I almost wonder if like the the, the way to start is okay, Darius, you hide on Dante, like Okora defends Holiday, Mobley goes on like Middleton or something, and then you just try to like Mobley or then Allen on um on Giannis and you just try to like make do with some of this patchwork stuff. And then if Brooke Lopez comes back and things like that complicates it as well. And there's not like a clean answer here, I think is the answer. I think the Cavs would like to have Okoro on him, but I don't know if that's like possible possession after possession after possession. That'll be the interesting thing. If we do get to that point where it's a playoff matchup and hopefully everyone's healthy and everyone's playing, uh, who slides where if you're starting Markinen and Allen and Mobley? What happens with Chris Milton? It's just interesting. I mean, the Cavs are just so unique. There's no team doing what they're doing lineup-wise yeah. across the league that thinking about potential matchups is so strange. Well, what they've done a lot of the time is if, if teams are running ball screens at Markinen in particular, um, and even sometimes the guards, but they'll basically just have Allen and Mobley switch everything. So, like, if... If they if like when they've had they've put marketing on like the team's best wings, like he might have defended Middleton okay. and then he was just like, OK, like they're going to run a ball screen where Middleton's going to get a screener from who's ever playing the five. OK, that man is going to switch. So that's Moby's guy. Moby's going to switch it. If, if it's Allen's guy, Allen's going to switch it. Like they, they're not really trying to like have marketing fight over screens They're just like, OK, try to go at, you know, one of our two seven foot like defensive monsters and see how that works for you. And like. If you're the Bucks, you're probably okay with that because Middleton's a really good shot maker, and then it's it's Giannis who might be the best player alive if it's if it's the other option. So, it, or even if it's Drew, it's like okay, like I I would you tell me if this is wrong, but I would like if Drew Holiday is in that position, he's probably going to make a smart play. Like that is what Drew Holiday kind of does. Like it, it that's that's one of the things that I think stood out to me most the last time his two teams teams played is like I would trust Drew in this matchup, and I think just in general, just do what he's going to do. And like, I, I feel like the, there's, there's not really a bad option for Milwaukee as they're kind of looking at, like it's not an easy problem to solve some of this, but it, if you're them, but it's also like, it's, it feels doable in a lot of ways. Yeah. I would say the Bucks, in general, this is what makes them probably unique to most contenders that have 
two or three superstars that maybe like to do it themselves. You know, Giannis will score on his own and he can take over games, there's no doubt. But generally, whether it's Milton, whether it's Drew, whether it's, it is Giannis, they do tend to make the right play and they're all pretty unselfish. And I think this has been the strange thing about the Bucks this year, to think that they won the title. It was only their first year together, that, that three. So you got pretty good results in year yeah. one, but there is... There is uh, some some thought or some theory that they're continuing to learn to play with each other in year two here. It's been heavily interrupted for obvious reasons. But uh, to this point, I think they're still figuring it out. And maybe that is a little bit to do with the the shot changes or the the different spots where Drew's finding his his shots, Chris Milton, Giannis, all, all these guys. So I think they're still working through some stuff. I think in general, you're right. That's why I find it so interesting because if you have a smart veteran team that thinks that they can exploit a big matchup, are the Cavs are they athletic enough? Does it just make sense for them to stay big? And are they able able to curtail uh, the paint and, and those types of things, which would be obviously what their goal would be against Giannis? It's interesting. I'm just so fascinated by this Cavs team. Yeah, they're they're weird. They're fun. Uh, they're good. Maybe we'll get into that a little more. I think after the break. But uh, gonna pay some bills and first gonna tell everyone about our friends at Prize Picks. Look, you've been hearing Kane and I tell you about Prize Picks for months now. It is daily fantasy. Made easy. I know not everyone everywhere can do it based on gambling laws and things, but prize picks, if you're able to participate, it's great. Right now, with the code NBA, users get a $50 bonus, $50 for free. If a player, if on your first prize picks entry and you score a single point, you get $50 for free. How good is that? That's an exclusive offer just available to the locked on network listeners who use the code NBA. They have the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. They offer more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator, and they offer all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. You All you got to do is pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus those projected numbers. So, Go to pricepickers.com today or on our app store and download the app. All users that deposit and use the promo code NBA will get $50 for free if your first fought prize picks entry scores a single point. That is right. All users that deposit and use the promo code NBA will get 50 free if your first prize pick entry scores a single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Chris, I have a question from a viewer. Now, I, I sent the call out yesterday and i said hit us in the youtube comments hit us on twitter if you have any questions for chris here on today's show and it came from brian kerth who by the way brian is always whether it's twitter whether it's youtube he's always throwing questions and i think one of the big fascinations and we discussed this a little bit on yesterday's show regarding the Cavs, and i know we're going to get to the standings and how tight it is it's a absolute logjam in the east right now but i think everyone just assumed that okay well colin sexton's long-term injury that's a blow yeah, now Ricky Rubio is out for the season. The Cavs have been a great story. This has been fun to watch them play. They're going to drop off. Why haven't they dropped off? Who's been soaking up the minutes? And can you just talk us through a little bit about what the Cavs have been trying to get, uh, how they've been trying to manage this the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's. I think it's kind of still an ongoing adjustment. I think Darius Garland has had to do more and more and more and more. I think we've seen him have to take on even more responsibility. I think if you know, if you go back and watch some of the tape from the, first, the from the Knicks game on Monday, you saw them starting. The teams are starting to load up on him, and they're starting to pre-rotate towards him. They're starting to try to say, okay, we want you to pass to Isaac Okoro. We want you to pass to Evan Mobley, who is making strides, but is still sort of learning how to play with the ball in his hands. Is still learning how to make smart decisions and is still learning how to handle pressure from guys who, because 
who are stronger than him when he gets the ball at the elbow. Um, they've turned to Kevin Love at times, which is a very funny thing to say, but you're starting this in, in 2022, but you're seeing Kevin Love like operate out of the elbow, like and, and sort of do Minnesota E Kevin Love things where he's whipping passes to guards coming off of screens and stuff. Like they're kind of hodgepodging together offense. The other thing that they've done is people probably know they went out and traded for Rajon Rondo. Rondo has only appeared. He just played his first game in Cleveland as a member of the team on Monday because he had a hamstring injury. He was in COVID protocols when the trade went through. Comes out of COVID protocols. They're on a West Coast road trip. He then hurts his hamstring on that road trip, and then he missed a bunch of game, missed a bunch of time, and he's only played four games for the team so far. They don't quite know how to use him yet. It's not a one-for-one Rubio replacement. It, it just is not going to be that way. He plays at such a different tempo. You will see when he is not on the floor with Garland, he will do Rondo stuff and really slow the pace down and drag <laughs> it out and and just do what you'd expect Rajon Rondo to do. Um, and and they don't. I don't know if they're going to close with him or not. Like that. These are some of the questions we still don't know. I think we're kind of JB Bickerstaff is feel, figuring this out in real time. Um, I think if you're an opposing team like the Bucks, I almost think you want them to maybe close with Rondo because it's like, okay, that's another non-shooter on the floor. Like that. That's cool. Like we we can navigate that. But there, it's Rondo and it's a lot of Darius Garland with like little splashes of Kevin Love and, and more chances for Evan Mobley. The, the Kevin Love thing, as someone who has like not seen this day to day and is just like, you know, I feel like you maybe go on Twitter or like you go get box scores or whatever, and it's like, ah, Kevin Love had another 20 point night. Like, is does what has happened with him, like, has that been weird to like just observe it from afar? Because it, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Did not expect this. Well, I think for someone that doesn't watch the Cavs daily, I think it makes even less sense because. It was whatever it was 12 months ago where it's like, oh, my God, this guy's a disaster. He's he's cracking it on the floor. He's throwing tantrums. He clearly doesn't want to be there. And I don't know what, what even caused the rejuvenation. Is it just the youth? Is it winning games? Because I wouldn't have put him down as a guy that I was projecting that was going to all of a sudden accept a role coming off the bench, particularly when you consider they've got three big guys starting. If you had told me the Cavs were going to start three big guys and Kevin Love was going to be off the bench, I would have said, no, he is not. He's going to refuse to play. He's going to leave the arena. He's going to move somewhere else in America and just do a Ben Simmons and refuse to come out and play. The the tweets would be like incredible, honestly. We'd get some like real passive aggression. Yeah, it's... Can he win six man of the year, by the way? Oh. That would be one of the most unlikely awards in the history of the league. Well, Rubio would have been the Cavs guy that would have okay. been the candidate for that. And then he tears his ACL. Yes. So he's not going to have the body of work. Jordan Clarkson's having a bad year. Yes. Ingles isn't playing at the level that he was last year, it doesn't seem like. Sorry, David Locke. I don't, we don't mean to take shots at your, your <laughs> guys, but here, here we are. I mean, like, who else would pop out for that award if we're thinking about this? Like, I can't, I like, this is one of those awards that I just sort of just like, just because we get so caught up in the teams we cover primarily, I feel like I don't have like always the best answers for this, but like, I would say, yeah, I would say, yeah, he could, um, which is bizarre to think about, you know, has to be a chance. I mean, there's a lot of players in the league, you know, not to, not to be a biased Australian, but like Patty Mills, for instance, but he's right on the cusp. He's right on the cusp of starting coming up. You know what I mean? Like Kevin Love has just been a, Straight bench player. Has he started the game this year? Probably not. Like right? Maybe one or two. But yeah. like even when even when they've like even when Markinen Markinen's now out like six weeks, they just said, okay, Dean Wade's gonna go in and start and we're gonna keep Kevin in his role. Like they've kept him really in like tight 20 minute for the most part bursts. So yeah. he doesn't have to um like play a ton of minutes because they're just like we don't wanna have to overburden Kevin Love. You know, like it's not worth it to us to 
like really make him do a ton of stuff and, and which frankly is like probably the right move you know all things considered um like there's just i i would be i would suspect like if you look at like when brooke i mean you you, you know better than me but like when brooke comes back like he probably isn't gonna play 30 minutes a night right away like right that's just not how this works and kevin's body is just in a very different spot um i wonder i'm gonna i wonder if they like i don't even know how to like handicap that like or, if, or if, you know bet online like or anything like has you know like the 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 lines up in that you know but I, I would think he could um he'd have to be up there the bucks don't really have a guy i mean bobby portis has started way too many games but he would have been the candidate from milwaukee people will say pat connor but he's not going to win it so yeah i mean i would have to imagine kevin love will be up there i don't know how many games tyler hero so, has started but tyler hero is the current okay this was on as of yesterday tyler hero is the betting favorite by like yeah. a wide margin minus 500 yeah. Kelly Oubre is second at plus eighteen hundred, and then it's Harold Brunson, Kevin Love, all at plus four thousand. So he's like in that second group. I'm telling you, man, it would be, it would be remarkable. One of the most unlikely uh, awards I think that we've seen in some time. But I tell you what is not unlikely, Chris, and that's our listeners enjoying Built Bar because it's oh, a new year. Facts. It's a new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. In my opinion, even better than a than a candy bar. And Built Bar makes it easier to stick to those resolutions because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, or taste like a chemical spill, which I'm telling you, I don't know who's eating those bars, but I, I would not recommend that. Built Bars are healthy for you, which is the key 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Uh, you can compare that to any other candy bar, but it's usually not at those numbers there. Maybe 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar. But either way, it's not giving you what Built Bar is. So just go to Built.com, use the promo code mm -hmm. LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Let me let me ask you a question about the Eastern Conference because the top of the East is jam packed. It is it is tight right now. When you look at the standings and you look at where we're at, Cavs are you know one half a game behind the Bucks right now, one game behind of the win column, even in the loss column. Miami's number one, but they're only a game ahead of the Bucks. And again, this top six is with the Sixers right there. You know, even the Hornets are are only two and a half back of of the six seed. At this point, who, how do you, what do you make of this, of this jumble of teams we have here? Because it is both teams I clearly would have expected to be here. The Cavs being the team I wouldn't have expected to be here. But I still find myself looking at this and saying, okay, I think the Bucks are the team I think are the best in the conference. And then I'm probably going the Nets if they're healthy. And then the Heat. And like, that's my three. And then like, you could give it in like, we'll see about the Bulls. We'll see about the Sixers if they don't make any trades. And the Cavs, I just need to see more. I still just kind of need to see a little bit more. But where are you at on kind of where we are with the, this jumble we kind of have at the top of the East right now? And again, this in this game on Wednesday could ultimately matter in terms of seeding. Like it, it just where we are in the season, we're ha we're close to the All Star break. We're over fifty percent of the way in. Like a game here or there could matter if we're kind of talking about like positioning of the playoffs right here. And this this if the season ends today would be a a first round matchup. As it stands. <laughs> and I don't know if it'll hold because this is so tight, but like this would theoretically be a first row matchup if, if this went that way. Yeah, and tiebreaker implications, all, all sorts of stuff like that. I mean, at the start of the season, I had the Bucks and the Nets in a category of their own. 
And then I had yes, the teams same. like Miami and Philadelphia uh, uh, sort of below them. I still think Philadelphia is the wild card. And we'll see. It's kind of similar to last year, the way I viewed the Brooklyn Nets at the start of the season, where it's like, okay, well, they have Kyrie and KD. Clearly, they're going to be pretty good. But are they a team that's going to make a huge trade and bump themselves right up to the top? The Nets obviously did that with James Harden. The Sixers are kind of just sitting there and nobody knows what they're going to do, but we don't have to wait much longer because if Philadelphia don't make a trade, for me, they're still just going to sit in that tier below. They're good. They're good, but I don't think they're Milwaukee or Brooklyn in a series. I think it would be a hard, hard ask to pick Philadelphia in a seven-game series. So I'm waiting to see what happens at the trade deadline because teams can make a move. The Cavs are one team that is interesting. You already mentioned Rajon Rondo, but I, I had this down as one of the questions for you as well. I don't know what the Bucks can do. I don't think there's a big move. I don't think there's a PJ Tucker move that they had last year that obviously proved pretty influential. Is there anything that the Cavs can do, though? And what's the sense you have with this franchise? Uh, are they sitting there and saying, well, given what we've been through, this is well above par, and there's probably not much that can happen that this is going to be a, an average season. Like Either way, this shakes out. Like If the Cavs make the postseason and they lose in the first round, I'm not saying that's what the fans want, but it still has to be exceeding what the expectations were. Do you sense that the franchise wants to make a move, wants to have a crack this year, or do you think they're pretty content? I think this season is like finding money in your pocket. Like what is the what is the currency in Australia? What is like like the dollar like what is the currency? Just the good old Aussie dollar. <laughs> okay. So you, this is you find a hundred Aussie dollars in your coat pocket. You forgot yeah. you put it in there. You find it in your pocket. Beautiful. You're 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 ecstatic, right? Like you're like, oh I can I, whatever you want to do with it. You now have a hundred dollars you didn't know you had. I think that's what this cap season is ultimately. Because I don't think they thought they were going to be this good. I think they thought they were going to be better. I don't know if they thought they were going to be like in the thick of it in the East. And like I, I think they would say that that this. I think if you got them like injected Trusser into them, they would say, okay, like we don't think we're a real contender this year, but we're on our way to to being something. I could see them making a move. I think you know uh, if people like we're hearing here for me, Lockdown Cats on Friday. I'm talking to Tony East from Lockdown Pacers about Carousel Levert. I think that's a name that makes sense for them. I think Buddy Heel can make sense for them. I think like Eric Gordon could make sense for them. I just don't, I wonder what the price will be. And like the Rubio part of this becomes interesting because he's on this expiring contract. He theoretically could be bring him back in the offseason anyway, but like you could trade that expiring contract and match hours for Levert, and it makes it easier than some of the other trade avenues they would have had to a trade like that. It's unfortunate. I think they'd rather have Rubio because yeah. he was so good and was just. Uh, it was he was tons of fun, but like now you have this like almost eighteen million dollars salary to match for something out there without having to like co- cobble together like Sexton, who I don't know what's going to happen there, or like Osman, or like a bunch of these guys at the end of the roster that are making like a million and a half, two million dollars, right? Like that's where you would be. And so Rubio, in theory, is this chip to go out and do something with if you want to do it. Lavert's the name that. M- I think I have become most interested in just because I think they need another ball handler and need a bigger one. Is there a name, you know, whether it's one I've said or one that kind of in your head that makes sense that you think would make this Cavs team from what you've seen of them kind of interesting? Is there like a name to you that would kind of be like, Oh, like that would, even if it's because I don't think the move would just be for this year. I think it would be a move that you want to help you not just now, but next year and the year after you want the, whoever you get to some degree to, I think grow with Mobley and Garland and Allen. Right. Like, I think that's the mindset you would probably have. Is there a name to you that would kind of make some sense if you were to kind of do that kind of move? It's really interesting because the Rubio stuff, that's like the brutal side of the business. Like, if he gets traded, everyone feels bad for him. It's like 
it sucks because he was playing so well, but also yeah. it would make sense for the Cavs from a business perspective to make that move. Levert is interesting. I, I was thinking about this earlier today and I was wondering what trade would make sense. And going back 12 months ago, you had the trade where uh, Portland picked up Norm Powell, uh, Toronto got Gary Trent Jr. But a guy like that does make some sense because I think the Cavs, would, I don't know what they're going to do with Colin Sexton. You would have more of an idea than me. I, I, but I, don't, I, don't, think they, I don't think anyone knows if I'm, right. if I'm keeping it. Because it's like, what, like, what do you do for a guy who's going into RFA? You're going to pay Garland a ton of money. Are you also going to give Sexton a ton of money when he's coming off a major injury? That's not fair to him, like at all. Like it sucks, but it's like he got hurt at the worst possible time. Like I cannot think of a worse timed injury in in for a lot of reasons for a Cavs player in recent memory than when Colin Sexton got hurt. So I think it's that third guy, right? You have Mobley, you have Garland, who you say, okay, well, we've got two pieces that we think we can we can really lock in for the future, hopefully, anyway, and they, they become stars for you guys. I think it's a third scorer. So, yeah, one of one of those guys. I mean, Levert would make some sense. Clearly, he's been a little injury-prone. It's up in the air where his ceiling actually is. He's been around for quite a while. He's older than you think. But, yeah, I mean, that makes some sense for me. I looked at the Cavs, and just because Mobley's been so damn good, and this is the comparison I made on the podcast yesterday, is that they kind of feel like they're last year's Hornets where they were – Mm-hmm. They were up. They were up around that five or six seed, and it's like they were above expectations. They had a rookie that was everyone was enjoying watching. Unfortunately, injuries caught up with them, and they ended up back in the playing tournament. So I'm interested to see whether the Cavs can hang on. I hope they can, um, but we'll see. It does take its toll. Like you said, there's still a fair bit of season to play. There, if there's one thing I I would like the Cavs actually, if I were in, like if they were going to be dumb enough to ask me for advice, I would say actually learn from Budenholzer <laughs> because. I think what I understand in the playoffs, and you could tell me what you, your thoughts on it were, but like, and when you get to the playoffs, like maybe just play Giannis like more minutes at a certain point, you know? Yeah. But I think yeah. in the regular season, I think the maintenance he has done to that roster is like actually really, really smart. I think like maybe the depth, like maybe that drives fans nuts on Twitter or whatever, because like you just want, they want to win every game. But like if you're playing the long game and you understand that this is a long season and you're going to have to play into the spring if you're, if you make the playoffs and you, and you have aspirations to do that. Like Darius Garland has played like 37, 38 minutes a night. Devin Mobley has played 40 minutes a couple of times this year. Jared Allen has got up to there a couple of times. Like JB clearly trusts like, like maybe six guys on this team. And then he's like, I guess I have to play Jetty Osmond 11 minutes just so like, because I like, I have to Kevin, like he trusts, but he's only willing to extend him out like to like 25, just in the sake of keeping him healthy. I think like learning from the Bucks in terms of just like main, playing a little more roster maintenance would like help the Cavs kind of achieve the goal you're talking about. I understand like you're going to have them play 37 sometimes if you're playing a close game and especially when you get down to the end of the season. But like I think there's just like a little bit of the foot has been they've to me the last couple of games in particular they've looked a little sluggish and I I don't like it's hard to prove this stuff they're never going to come out and tell us in media sessions like hey like we're exhausted. Like they're never going to just give us that candor that we might be looking for, but um, at least on that stuff. But I, I think this is a team that's like got a little bit of uh, like could use just a little bit of like, like a week and like a back to tank to just like regenerate itself. Like the bucks coming in off three days rest as the Cavs like have like played twice since Saturday, which isn't crazy, but like there's going to be a big rest advantage in this game. And I think the Cavs should look at Milwaukee and say, okay, like, if we want to get somewhere, maybe we need to play this as a long game a little bit instead of like running our guys like into the ground, especially because like this team is not deep. Like there, there's like not this team is not a particularly deep team, especially with injuries to you know Markinen, Rubio, you know Rondo's just coming back from a hamstring. Like this isn't a particularly deep team at the moment, and 
Um, but I, I think if they're going to stay above that that playing fray, which I think they have a good shot of doing, I, I think they got to be a little healthier as we kind of move forward. Yeah, that's the that's the flip side of the whole Budenholzer argument that we've seen over the last couple of years. The Bucks had such a regimented scheme on offense, a regimented scheme on defense that they could go 12 deep and everyone knew where they were going to be. And the consistency from night to night that so many teams struggle with over the course of the regular season, the Bucks just didn't. So I think for a lot of coaches, they sit there and say, well, if I don't play these guys these minutes, you spoke about the trust factor, then we're going to lose. And we're going to lose a lot of games, mm. whereas the Bucks were fortunate enough that uh, either they could play Giannis enough in the first half that the game is over, or, or they just have a bunch of role players that they trust to play you know, big minutes, like a guy like Pat Connaughton who they – got for nothing essentially and he ended up being a 25 minute a night player bobby portis who's come in and they he fits they trust him veterans like george hill that they got in that initial trade with the Cavs going back a couple of years ago so they just got so many guys that they trust and i think it's a luxury that they've had and that's why they've been able to win so many games but um certainly it, it is it's a benefit getting into the postseason there's no doubt forgot about george hill honestly sometimes you i know, just georgie playing yeah, well this year by the way that's good i'm glad i i he, uh, you know, infamous uh, Cleveland run, unfortunately for him, just how it how it ended. But uh, Philly fans yeah, don't um, like him either. They uh, when the Bucks signed him this year, trust me, Twitter it was all Philly fans saying he's washed anyway. He sucks. Came back to Milwaukee, he's great again. What do you what do you say? You got to be happy in your environment. Yeah. What do you? Uh, let me ask you this as we wrap up. Who who if you could pick a first round series for the Bucks to get today, just that you'd want to see, what would you want? um for what purpose entertainment just, just for, value for vibes just for vibes just just entertainment like because like obviously if you're going to be them you want to get up to one and then get like whoever whatever like crappy team in the, in the 10 11 range unless you don't like maybe atlanta gets to eight and then you have to deal with atlanta um which in the first round that's probably the least fun just because of the tray factor but if you could like pick one of these let, let me let's change the question one of the top six so miami chicago the Nets, the Bucks, the Cavs, the Sixers. Take obviously the Bucks out, but you could see them play one of those five in the top six. Who would you want to see them play just from an entertainment standpoint? And maybe roll off the Nets just because the Nets are the Nets. Well, I don't think that there would be too many Bucks fans that would be thrilled about the matchup, but there is one series that has been brewing for years and years and years, and we've never been able to see it. Bucks and Sixers, I think, for the, the world, the country, would be an entertaining matchup to see Giannis and Embiid go at it. Uh, they've mm -hmm. kind of both been teams that are seen as, okay, they're going to be champions in the East. They're going to be battling. There's going to be conference finals. They've had really fiery, heated, regular season matchups. And then they've never they've never had the postseason. They've always ended up on the other side or the Sixers choke like they did last year. You know, there's uh, all sorts of scenarios. But Bucks and Sixers, they're destined to play each other at some point. So I guess I'll say the Sixers. I think Cavs Heat would be fun, and I think mm -hmm. Cavs Sixers would be fun. Cavs Sixers, just because I want to see Allen and Mobley have to defend Embiid, who's playing at like an MVP level. I just want to see it. Um, I will say, I think the 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 matchup I think the Cavs would definitely lose if they get in the first round would be Milwaukee. Like that's the one if I'm them. If they have to like lose the last game of the season to like be the even if it means with the sixth seed and they're playing like the Bulls in the round one. I think the Bucks are the would be the I think the hardest team for them to play in round one for looking ahead that far. Which I didn't think I'd be you and I would be talking about a potential playoff matchup in in January. I thought I'd be like, oh, like let me look at Palo Benchero highlights and and Chet Holmgren. Like, can Chet play with Evan? Like that'd be the kind of things I'd be talking about. And and here we are, 
I'm wondering, huh, what what could a playoff matchup look like? It's weird times, Kane. It's weird times. It is weird times, but it's fun for the Cavs. And I will say, yeah, I mean, that, that would be a tough matchup for Cleveland uh, as much as everyone loves Evan Mobley and he's going to be the rookie of the year and he's fantastic uh, having to deal with Giannis running at you for a rookie uh, night after night in a series is uh, proven to be not fun. Even if I think Giannis is the guy he should look at in terms, he's he keeps talking. He's said a lot this year. He's talked about adding bulk. Giannis is the guy that is, sets the temp. Like they're not the same guy. I don't want to say that yeah. Evans going to be as good as Giannis because that is blasphemous to say because he's a rookie and Giannis might be the best player alive. The bulk that how Giannis has added bulk is the template for how NBA guys that are that skinny should add bulk. Yeah. And like if Evan can figure out how to do that, that's like that's the fun. That's where like this minus ten percent really body fat is that what you? Th- you know? Yeah, like minus ten. What? What? Like, does does Giannis still do smoothies? Is he just like inhaling like protein smoothies at this point? Like double whey, some collagen, Bill Bars grinded up in there. Like, what is he doing? I think he can eat literally whatever he wants because he works out so much. It doesn't even matter. I mean, the guy's just. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is literally a freak. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But yeah. this has been good. I was trying yeah. to think about the last time we caught up. I know we did have a George Hill podcast at some point, but it's been oh, a long yeah. time. That, look, like we. I said to you before we hit. We hit live. Cavs, uh, anything pre-COVID feels like fake time. So it's true. But this game, Bucks and Cavs on Wednesday night, is 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time for those in Australia trying to tune into this <laughs> game. But hey, it's going to be fun. Delhi absolutely, hopefully, watching this game is what I think we're saying here. Delhi is about 30 minutes away from playing a game here in Melbourne. So I'm going to be on the couch watching that one. So that's going to be a bit of fun. He had a 33-point game the other day, seven threes. Who would have thought? Delhi. I saw, him get, I saw him get dunked on this year, and that made me a little sad. That was so. unfortunate. That was yeah, an was unfortunate moment for him. But yeah. he bounced straight back up. Typical yeah. Delhi. Bucks fans, Cavs fans, I think for the most part, everyone loves Delhi. Yeah. Yeah, All right. Not. Let's leave it here, Chris. Uh, we will catch up again, potentially in the postseason. Who knows? Yeah, at the very least, I think we'll be we should touch base end of the regular season when these two teams play in the last day of the regular season. We have to uh, potentially think about playoff seating. What a world! All right, that's Chris Manning. You can hear him on Locked On Cavs Daily. I'm Kane Pippen. You can hear me on Locked On Bucks Daily. Bucks and Cavs tonight coming up. Enjoy the game. We'll be back on our shows. Check them both out. We'll speak to you guys then.